Before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we pray now as we pray each time we come together that you would be in our midst here. And we trust that you have kept your promise and are here with us. May my words now be your words, all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I have a friend who says that we are born lawyers. I think that that's true. I think it's even a little bit more specific than that. We are all born defense attorneys. We all have that Tom Cruise in a few good men gene, right? Except that we're not shouting at Colonel Nathan Jessup in order to defend Lance Corporal Harold W. Dawson and Private Loudon Downey. And no, of course, I didn't have to look up those names. <laughs> we don't shout to defend other people. Instead, we shout to defend ourselves. And certainly anyone with young children or anyone who has ever been around young children knows that this is true. One of my all-time favorite stories is about a nephew of mine who, years ago when he was very young, was playing alone in his room. And the adults were doing something else downstairs and all of a sudden realized that he was being really quiet up there. Like, too quiet, you know what I mean? So his grandmother was dispatched to check on him. He clearly didn't hear her coming because when she opened the door, he was still playing with his back turned. And hearing the knob turn, he whipped around and shouted, Nothing! <laughs> she hadn't said a word. She hadn't had time to, but he felt the accusation in her presence and immediately went into defense attorney mode, defending himself against the assumed prosecution. And we never really grow out of this. I feel this desire, and it seems like almost daily, I feel this desire to defend myself all the time. Whenever something goes wrong or doesn't work out the way that I hoped it would, I find myself announcing to whomever will listen that I shouldn't be blamed. I did the best I could. There were circumstances beyond my control. Please, I'm saying, acquit me. And sometimes it's just like my nephew. I'll start defending myself before anyone even has the chance to accuse me of anything. And of course, there's a simple reason. You're here sitting in a church, so you can probably guess it. We're born lawyers because we're born sinners. Down deep at the deepest level of our being, we know that we need defending. And so we spend an inordinate percentage of our lives preparing and delivering our defense. But it is into this urge to self-defend, that Jesus, near the end of the Gospel of Luke, during his 
description of the terrors of the end times. And as he approaches the time during which he himself will stand before legal authorities, it's into our urge to self-defense that Jesus tells us not to prepare a defense. He has a better way. And thankfully, we're going to find that there is better news for us sinners than the opportunity to defend ourselves. Indeed, we have a defender, an advocate. Our defender is Christ Jesus himself. The idea, though, this idea that we shouldn't defend ourselves is a difficult one to get used to. Not only are we naturally prone to self-defense, it seems like there's actually some biblical support for the idea, too. Now, we're only two weeks away from the season of Advent, the new church year. And in Advent, as you may know, we always return to John the Baptist, who, as you no doubt will recall, comes on the scene preaching that the end is near and telling the people what they ought to do about it. Repent, he says. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Judgment is coming, according to John, but it's not quite here yet. You've got a little time to get yourself in order. Bear fruit. Clean up your act. In other words, Prepare your defense. The other day I got pulled down a very strange internet rabbit hole. Uh, I started out just looking at real estate listings. I think I clicked through from one of those Instagram feeds about really rich people's homes. I do sort of like looking at really fancy houses. But all of a sudden I was looking at listings for uber luxurious fallout shelters built into caves with photorealistic skies painted on the roofs sculpted trees and shrubbery 10 years worth of champagne and cured meats you know if you have to endure the end of the human race you might as well do it in style the end is coming these people seem to be saying so get your stuff in order And make sure your stuff includes a completely underground 18-hole miniature golf course. (laughs) Now, that's a really unique way to prepare for the end of things, for the coming judgment. But it is along the lines of what John the Baptist is suggesting, right? Get yourself in order. Prepare your defense. Jesus, though, says something quite different. Before all this occurs... Jesus tells his followers, they will arrest you, persecute you, hand you over to synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Jesus is doing something different from John the Baptist. Now, he's still talking about judgment, but he's not warning anybody. He's not saying it's coming, but you've got time to get ready. 
He's not contradicting John either. He's just seeing further into the future, deeper into the truth. In essence, Jesus isn't so much saying it's coming as he is saying, actually, it's too late. Listen to how Jesus talks. He's speaking about the future, but about a future that is already decided. These things will happen. The days will come when not one stone of this temple will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And then this line contradicting every fiber of my being that wants to constantly be preparing my defense. Make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. I will give you words to say. I will give you a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. He's saying, don't buy that fallout shelter. Don't be a Boy Scout. Don't be prepared. To fully understand what Jesus is talking about, we need to see that as he's speaking to his disciples, he is using as his source material the book of the prophet Micah. He's taking pretty much a full summary of Micah's prophecy, the whole narrative arc of that book, and using it to tell these men something about what's going to happen at the time of judgment. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to follow along with Jesus. We're going to look at the prophecy of Micah to help us understand these verses in Luke. I love when the Bible interprets itself like this, and this is what we're going to see today. So Micah, the prophet Micah, is speaking to a people, Israel, who are looking forward to judgment. They want judgment to come. They can't wait. Why is that? Well, it's around 700 BC, and Israel is started to be oppressed by the Assyrian Empire. And the thing they want most in the world is for God to come and wipe those sinful pagans off the map. So they are eagerly anticipating a coming judgment. But Micah tells them that this desire for judgment from God is a mistake. And why? Because they are mistakenly operating under the assumption that God is going to come and just wipe away their enemies. So a coming judgment in their minds will be a vindication for them, a good thing. They'll be validated and their enemies will be destroyed. But there's a catch something that the people are forgetting. And Micah reminds them. God doesn't come just to wipe away your enemies. God comes in judgment to wipe away all unrighteousness. And that will include you. So Micah tells them to mount a defense much like John the Baptist would do hundreds of years later. Micah tells the people to get ready, to call out to God for help. But Micah's got a surprise for them, a twist in the story. And in the end, he's got a very different message to preach, a very different source of good news than the opportunity for self-defense. So that's the overarching course of Micah's prophecy. Now we're going to look at some specific passages. And yes, of course... Unlike the character names in A Few Good Men, of course I had to look up each and every one of these references. So first, Micah says that God is coming to wreak havoc. Hear you peoples, all of you, 
He says in chapter one, pay attention, O earth and all that is in it. Let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him. The valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. That's the very beginning of Micah's prophecy. Chapter 1, verse 2. The very first heading that the book of Micah has in most Bibles is the coming destruction. God is coming, and all this is coming down. A few verses later, he talks about stones being poured down into a valley and the foundations of a city being uncovered. A key connection to Jesus' prophecy in Luke about the temple and how not one stone will be left upon another. And Micah says, get ready. Get your defenses up. Cry out to God. But then Micah has a chilling announcement for the people, a horrifying prophecy. The people will fail in their self-defense. Listen to Micah chapter 3 and verse 4. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. The people's efforts to defend themselves won't work. And so we see the bracing truth. Warnings to prepare a defense aren't enough. It's too late. Remember, Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple and about our coming judgment as a future certainty. And this is the bad news. We all know, just like my little nephew knew, that we're busted. We're sinners and have been found out. There is no deflection available to us, no escape. The record of your life and mine would separate us from a holy God forever. But Micah, 700 years before Jesus, is not done prophesying. Micah is about to tell the people that self-defense isn't the answer. He has a better way. A better announcement, better news for the people of God. Listen to Micah chapter 5. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Do you hear it? Micah is pointing to Jesus explicitly. From Bethlehem, will come a shepherd, and he will be their peace. Your peace won't be found in the quality of your self-defense. Indeed, 
that defense will certainly fail. Your peace is in Jesus, the good shepherd, your defender, your defense. And that's the story of Micah. Part one, God is coming to judge. Part two, your defense against God will fail. Part three, you have a savior, a shepherd who will take care of you. This is the story of Micah's prophecy, and it is the story of Christianity. God has made the world and is coming to judge it according to his own righteousness. Self-defense cannot be the answer when the accuser is the holiness of Almighty God. There can never be an adequate self-defense for sin. Your sin, like mine, is too profound. But self-defense does not need to be the answer when there is a promised deliverer, a shepherd from Bethlehem who will be his people's peace. And so Jesus says, make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Don't defend yourself. You won't need to. I will be your defense, your defender, your savior. I am the shepherd raised up for you. I am all you will need. See, self-defense always leads to what can I do? What moves do I know? What strategies can I come up with? Jesus is here forcing us to come into contact with what has already been done for us. Don't defend yourself. Your defender is not you, but him. And his defending work is complete on the cross. The world says a million times a day in a million different ways, defend yourself. And so we have a lot of practice. We are inveterate self-defenders. It is our immediate reflex. Excuses, explanations, reasons. We all want to be Tom Cruise. But there is no defense against the righteousness of a holy God. He is almighty. He is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Paul says that his law, that reflection of his righteousness, stops every mouth. He says that all are without excuse. At the final judgment, at the end of things, when the sum of our lives are reviewed before Almighty God, we will stand gaping and ashamed, and there will be no excuse. We will have nothing at all to say. Into our silence, though, steps Jesus. I deliver you, he says, from your need to self-defend. Don't say anything. I will speak on your behalf. Jesus gives you a defense. It is him. It is Jesus himself. His life lived for you. It is his blood shed for you. As he promised, 
He will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. There is no withstanding or contradicting Jesus' defense of you because it comes from the exact same place as the accusation that you couldn't withstand or contradict. This defense comes from Almighty God. Indeed, it is the word of God. This time, though, it does not come etching laws on stone tablets. It comes breathing its last on the cross and shouting, it is finished. Not an accusation, but an announcement of good news. The same God before whom we thought we needed to defend ourselves has now provided in Christ our defense. Almighty God, creator of the universe, has promised you a defense, one that no one will be able to contradict or oppose. And he has provided and completed that defense in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so now, when your story is played out in that throne room of the judge, it is filled, your story, from opening to closing credits with the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. His life and goodness given to you. You have, as we say, an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is your defense. He is your defender, and it is by his good work that you are saved. Amen.